What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Heroes Home Base Podcast, episode 13. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Mark. Hey, what's going on? This is Rich. Hey, everybody. This is Rob. I feel like we have so much to talk about on this episode. Let's dive in, man. I'm ready. I feel like it, it, just the news this in between our last episode and this episode has just skyrocketed. So let's talk first uh, Oscars, man. Joaquin finally fucking got it, man. How about Johnny that? Johnny Cash himself, right? Right. And for a comic book movie at that. I did, what, it won two Oscars? One for him and one for original soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was fucking amazing for that movie, too. Um, I, I don't know about the second one, but I know, obviously, for Best Actor, but I didn't I didn't know that the soundtrack was nominated also. I just uh, finally, you know, at least for him, I think he's an amazing actor, and it's just us as fans that finally a comic book movie has such a prestigious award attached to it. You know what I mean? I, just, I know that what, I the first... Uh, um, the What'd you say, Rob? I was surprised that he got it. I didn't know if the Academy was going to go for another Joker Oscar. Yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I just good think, point. That, yeah, because I mean, Heath Ledger won it, but I think it was more of like, not that he didn't deserve it, but then what was the what was the next comic book movie to win? Into the Spider Verse for best animated feature, and then now this. So I don't know. I think it's exciting. I think it's good. I do. It speaks to the Academy representing movies that people actually like. And performances that, you know, these actors are really putting themselves into, you know, not just dressing up like a clown, but he really put his whole everything into it. I don't know. I just think that uh, we we reviewed that movie. We've talked about it. I just think it's that's awesome that it finally got its it definitely got its due. Absolutely. Uh, silence some of the critics on that one. Absolutely, man. In other news, the one and only uh, Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of What the Fuck Is This big time flop. Harley Quinn in the Emancipation... No. Oh, yes, Birds, Birds of, of Prey in the eman- Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Shit. <laughs> it's, First, you know... Uh, I already said... At the, I always said that it was such a long title. And nobody really knows who Birds of Prey is. Nope. And they didn't underst- set it up I, in the movie. Yeah, I really think this is a stupid reason to get another Harley Quinn movie when it has nothing to do with Birds of Prey. I mean, there was... Dave, I think they just hit a hundred million dollars at the box office, and that was after they changed the title to Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Is that what it got changed to? Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Let me let me just ask you guys something. This is one of those head scratching moments uh, as a fan of the DC universe. <clears throat> we can't have the Snyder cut, but they green lighted that piece of shit. Yep. Well, because Harley Quinn was so popular in Suicide Squad, they probably wanted to capitalize on it and thought that she would be a strong enough player or character on her own. And make a Harley make... Quinn movie. Like, well, why do we have to screw over the Birds of Prey? Agreed. Right. Like, you can't come up with anything original? I think that, um, which kind of, you, you have know... Birds of Prey without, without Batgirl? That's her that's group. That's what I mean. It's like, why do you got to shit on Birds of Prey? That's just like having the that's like having the Avengers without Captain America, or like you know it's the Bat Family without Batman. 
It just doesn't fucking work. You know what I mean? Like, you can't have birds of prey, and the one key component is Batgirl in that. Whether she's Barbara Gordon in the as, as Oracle, or if she's Batgirl as Batgirl. I, I don't know. I think that there's this knee-jerk reaction to uh, just jump on success. And, I, I mean, I know we talked about this on previous episodes. Uh, Suicide Squad made a lot of money. I thought it was a trashy movie. I thought she was good in it. She wasn't good enough for her own movie, but, you know... Like you said, we can't get the Snyder cut, but we gotta. But we're expected to go and support this in the theater. No, I'm not you know, interested. There are a few titles that I love in DC, but we just with these movies. I'm sorry, we just are not. They're not hitting it. They're not hitting when it comes to these movies. I don't understand why. Shows DCs they've got down. Movies they're just not hitting it, and this was just a not a good. Uh, um, short-sighted i think they're way too focused in the moment and not they don't have a long game like they're too busy either trying to recreate something that was successful like the bale franchise or they're trying to always trying to just self-correct in the next movie regardless of what it is if it's even tied to stuff it's just it just baffles my mind it's really annoying and it just does nothing but set the universe back like did we not learn anything from batman and robin yeah, it's messy. It's just Don't so messy. Don't put nipples on the bat suit. Okay. Oh, however, speaking nice segue. Did you see the preview of the bat suit? Oh, I yes. Did. I was just gonna bring that up, man. He, okay, let's talk about the bat suit. But his fucking jawline, he looks like fucking Batman. It was perfect. You know, I think he's good. gonna do good. I think he's gonna be well rounded. I think it was a good. I think it was a good cast. He looks a lot like the um, some of the Arkham video game. The suit and kind of uh, his facial features, I think, kind of look like the Arkham series Batman. It looks like his bat symbol looks like it can detach from the costume and be used as a batarang, kind of like how Robin in the Titan show pulls his R out and flings it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there was some talk. I don't know how reliable the source is. That might be made out of the gun that killed his parents. That was Kevin Smith's story arc in the detective 1000 1000 yep. i heard story that too line. i heard that too one of my favorite storylines from that book yeah from joe chills suit, gun the um the symbol reminded me of the suit specifically in the gotham knight video game uh, there was just a lot of uh, body armor and mechanics it almost kind of looked like an iron man rendition just the batman edition so there's a lot of like parts of the logo that move, parts of the chest plate that moved. It just reminded me of that particular video game. So. Well, do you guys want to, on a, on a happier note, um, even as cool as the Batsuit is, and we're getting to see glimpses of the new Batman movie, um, do we want to kind of talk about a new segment we've decided to develop and come up with for the show? Absolutely. Indeed. A new segment we're calling home-based communications where we take some time and get a chance to reach out to some of our listeners and people who have written into us. And tonight we got a chance to speak to uh, one of the guy who frequently writes into us. His name was Herb. And we got a chance to talk to him tonight. I just think that uh, this is a cool idea for our show. And I really, um, I really was touched by what Rob said last time where uh, his friend Jesse was back at the comic store collecting comics again. And I think that that, really resonated and I really encourage anybody else that wants to write in or uh, we can do a, another one of these home-based communication segments segments with and uh, it was really cool it's really uh, 
really beneficial. I'm not, it's not to stroke our ego, but it's just nice to interact with fans of the show and uh, people that, you know, don't mind sharing that part. So I kind of looked at this as something I'd hope we could do on a more regular basis. I just like, it, it reminds me of when we were sitting in our basement as kids, just sitting down, no agenda, just talking about comics and stories. And I just think that is where I'd like a, a big part of our podcast to go in the future. So absolutely agreed. So without further ado, home base communication, I'm subject line, herb, subject I'm line, herb. I fucking love that. Uh, you guys love my emails. You <laughs> love them. We do. We do. Subject line, herb. That is fucking amazing. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> man, I can't believe that. I can't believe that whole thing went into the subject, and because it was a long email too, I almost like wrote you as a book there. Well, <laughs> Rich got mad at me because I couldn't read the whole thing. And he's like, "What do you mean you can't read the whole thing?" I'm like, "Well, it just kind of stops on the Outlook app." He's like, "Well, I don't know." <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I don't know what was going on with that one. So, Herb, um, right off the top, so how did you hear about our podcast? There are like a billion out there. So how'd you figure out we had this lovely thing going? Uh, well, I, I, I kind of knew that it was going to be going before it even got going. So, um, that was, um, that was how I heard about it through rich really. So promoting uh, our, uh, my fiance and, and, and Kim are, uh, are good, good friends. And, uh, so that's I pretty much got to know rich that way. And that's how I found out about you guys. And we kind of talked a little bit and, I heard about it and I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. I'm excited. So, so your fiance works with show quitter Kim. Show yes. Quitter show quitter. Kim. Yes, that's right. Show quitter Kim. <laughs> also known as Rich's wife. Rich's wife. <laughs> you have yep. been our most frequent writer and follow-up guy. So we appreciate you talking to you tonight. Mark, he's, nah, the, lone, right. he's the lone emailer. <laughs> I, I, I love a good charity case. <laughs> well, we could use all the charity we could get. Oh, shit. That's funny. It's oh. most appreciated. He's like, look at these poor bastards. <laughs> Send them an email. Nah. Their mom's the only one emailing the podcast. <laughs> oh. No, I love it. You guys are great. It's a good time. It's a great idea. Well, we appreciate it. Can you tell us, when did you first fall in love with comics? Uh, well, I've, I've loved the genre and, and comics pretty much since I was a kid. Um, uh, I've never really uh, been a huge collector, I guess. But, um, you know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, I grew up with, you know, Saturday morning cartoons and everything like that. So, I mean, it was from the very beginning. Um, but uh, I would say that really when I got started with comics, it uh, wasn't really until high school. Um, actually, uh, uh, a friend of my mom, who had been a friend, family friend for a really long time, gave me um, The Watchmen, uh, the, the graphic novel for my high school graduation. And I really hadn't had any comics or anything like that up to that point. And then um, that was pretty much kind of the kickoff. And I way held to, on to it way for to about start a year. hot. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I held on to it for a year before I even opened it. Um, and then. Uh, and then I heard that the movie was coming out, so I said I better get on the uh, read this thing before you know I find out that um, my mom's friend asks me about it, and then I can't say anything about it before I went to see the movie. So I, I had to check it out, and from that point on, I was in love with it. It's a great story, and probably one of my number one heroes in of all is Doctor Manhattan. So Hell yeah, 
<laughs> nice. Well, I guess you kind of sort of answered the question that I was going to ask if you were currently collecting. Um, so you're you're not collecting, but if you were going to collect, what do you think you'd collect? Well, yeah. See, so, you know, I don't. I definitely don't have a collection. Not like you guys. Like I don't. I I wouldn't even say I have even what you have over your head, Rich. <laughs> um, but uh, um, I've you know I've been um, uh, mostly just reading. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of a mooch, uh, but uh, reading comics from, from friends and stuff like that. Right now, I've got uh, Alan Moore's uh, The Swamp Thing Saga. Hell yeah. And uh, that's what I'm on right now. Um, but uh, one of my things that I do like a lot is um, uh, he, he, a friend of mine, Alan, actually, <laughs> his name is also Alan. Nice. Uh, but this is Alan Martina. And he gave me um, the uh, Sandman uh, comic series. And I don't know if you guys are, I'm sure you are familiar with that, but, yep. uh, it is, it is definitely one of my favorites and, um, absolutely what I've been into mostly. Preacher was the most re- recent thing that I went through. Preacher. Um, I, was just I don't know if you that. guys did that. Um, they did the, 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 uh, the adaptation on TV, which was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was close. It was close in a lot of ways. I mean, they took a lot of liberties as most right. do. So yeah, I think that answered the question, right? How was that? The, the question, <laughs> that what, would I, what would I collect? Uh, I guess my, you know, my number one hero, I guess, would be, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much DC mostly, I guess. DC nice. is, um, that's my number one. Um, uh, Batman, I think, has some of the best stories, I think, Sorry. um, overall. Superman's, I mean, Superman, I, I've always been, just like I like Dr. Manhattan, uh, Superman's my, my go-to because I've always kind of just been a big fan of the, of the, the godly, you know, invulnerable, um, kind of heroes you know because i feel like a lot of people want to be that way at least i'd love to be that way but uh you know you can relate a little bit too much to batman because he's mortal but you cannot relate superman in any possible way absolutely absolutely yep so you already answered my question her but uh, i guess i'll ask it this way who is uh who are some of your least favorite heroes in the dc universe uh least favorite um, I can't say that I have a, a least favorite. Um, I think that the way that they've been they've been portrayed, at least in the movies, because I haven't read a ton of comics, um, so I couldn't I couldn't really speak to how they're how they're portrayed in the comics. But in at least in the movies, like like Constantine, like I would love to see a better um, you know rendition of Constantine. I would love to see something more or Swamp Thing. Like why why, why can't we get a Swamp Thing? You know. Uh, but do, do you have the DC Universe did set? You have, watch did that you watch something? Uh, no, I have not watched it yet. No, I have not. Well, I will have to uh, let you loan the uh, login and password to that because that show it was, was excellent. fucking amazing, dude. Amazing. Excellent. Yeah. I would it watch awesome. it. Why don't you finish reading Alan Moore's saga and then watch it? A lot of people love it that love that original comic. So, yeah. Read it and then watch that. Can you tell me what are some of your favorite stories? Again, um, you know, Sandman um, still goes back to one of my favorite stories. Um, and then um, uh, Neil Gaiman, um, anything really that he, some of he, that some of his stuff that he's been doing. Um, uh, another really good story that I've been on to um, is um, Saga, the actual just Saga. Have you guys yeah, heard of Saga? I, uh, I read the first issue of that when I was perusing some books in Barnes and Noble and that is a really original pretty sweet 
I, yeah, I, I will have to get that, that giant collection and sit down and read that someday. Yeah, man. It's like a Romeo Juliet versus with Star Wars and old Western kind of combined together. <laughs> yeah, it's something different, man. It's definitely an original take on anything, really. Absolutely. Touches on a lot of different stuff. You know, you've got, you know, all these different class kind of, you know, hints towards that kind of stuff, class differences, and, and, uh, it's just good stuff. All right. So, uh, what is your take on all the comic movies out right now? Favorite, least favorite movie do you like to see? And uh, if you could change a comic movie to your liking, what would it be and why? Damn, that's like 50 fucking questions for you there, buddy. So start uh, with right. what yeah, you think overall, memory, I guess. So don't worry about it. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, I would say that uh, I really do like the Marvel movies. I think so far, most of them, at least for the Avengers. Um, uh, now, X-Men is a little bit different story. Uh, I do <laughs> like some of the X-Men stuff. I, I do, just because I like the X-Men. But um, I think they could have been way done way better. Uh, you know, you know, Spider-Man, the fact that they've redone him like three or four times is is just ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I think that when uh, they had Tobey Maguire do it in the first one, um, I think one and two, I, I did enjoy those for being the first like real good yeah. live action one. I think, yeah. I, you know, actually, when I was a kid, I watched a live action movie. I, I, I couldn't even tell you who the actor was or who wrote it, but it was a really old one from like the like the 80s, early or like late 70s, 80s. Was it where they projected like, like the buildings onto a screen and you could tell he was like on a projector? <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it was like he was, you know, fighting guys with, you know, like, I mean, in like an office building, like they didn't really yep. do a whole lot of singing. I think they use like a flamethrower to to burn one of his webs one time and he ends up falling. And <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. I'm gonna have but, to YouTube yeah. that shit, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to pull that up and find out what that was. But Rich and absolutely. I, I think we rented some of that shit for uh, a weekend one time and we liked it. But it's one of those things that you like as a kid. Then you go back, you're like, oh, that is <laughs> Awful. awful i mean it was it was just pure garbage truly <laughs> pure garbage <laughs> uh but you know uh um dc i i do i do like like man of steel um and uh the dawn of just or um the justice league movie and everything like that uh they did a pretty good job with those and i <laughs> i know a lot of people give the christian bale batman um a lot of gripe but I, I did enjoy that one for sure now the new joker heck when i we went to go see that together yep um and uh that was good that was good i really did like joaquin phoenix joker um big time um and again um you know to answer your other question that you were talking about um with with uh who would I, what would i like to see Again, I would like to see a better portrayal of Constantine. I would like to definitely see more Constantine. I think the idea of the character and what he represents, uh, the places that he goes and stuff like that, I think that that's really cool stuff, and I'm definitely into that. And I would love to see him uh, bring more of him into into the universe if they can. But, you know, Watchmen was an excellent movie when it comes to the comics. Yep, they did yep. a great job with with how they with with I mean literally there are scenes in that movie that are like look like they're right out of the comic book. Yeah. Like when he opens the door, especially when he opens the door coming into his apartment when Rorschach is in there eating, eating the, the beans, beans yep. stuff like that. That one I mean was like 
picture perfect. My favorite was when uh, he was going into Rockefeller Center and he's on top of that shipping container and the lightning strikes behind him. Like, yes, fucking <laughs> cut right from the fucking panel, man. Yep. You know what it actually reminded me of? Batman the Animated Series, the theme mm-hmm. song at the end. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I, you know, I, um, Captain America, I think, was probably my least favorite of out of the uh, the actual Marvel um, movies that they made. I just, I just didn't like the way that they did it. I don't have anything wrong with Chris Evans. Um, I just, just didn't really like the way that they did it. It was the real so. Is, did you have a problem with Chris Evans' head and the CGI body? Yes, yes. I, I'm just gonna say <laughs> the CGI was kind of ridiculous. It was a bit ridiculous. And I think that's one of the actually the issues with Superman um, is the fact that it has to be so CGI to to pull it off. Um, and yep. I think that they do better with the movies that they don't necessarily have to show up close CGI with. Right, um, like a mustache in the Justice League movie. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we're all still um, hoping I would and say praying I... for the for the fucking Snyder cut. Okay, we're all still hoping and praying. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you Dream. think of uh i'm gonna change gears here though so Go what do you it. think of the uh your shirt is uh getting me thinking what do you think of the star wars stuff oh man um <laughs> yeah i'm an optimist uh i like to give <laughs> things a lot i like to give things a lot of tries and a lot of chances and uh and i do kind of find things to like about them um even when there's a lot of things that i don't like um so it's everybody's got their own their own way of doing it. Um, I wish they would have gone a different direction. I was a big fan of the of the books, but you know I, I, they call a lot of that just fan books, I guess, because mostly they're not anything that Lucas wrote. So, um, but right. I definitely think that they went away from it and just stole like little snippets and little bits and pieces from it. And um, it's kind of too bad that they did the things that they do. But I don't dislike what they what they're doing. I do like the fact that they're giving them. You know, a, a strong female character as the lead, you know, changing it, taking it away from the, you know, the previously it was, you know, Anakin Skywalker to Luke Skywalker. And now, you know, it, it changes it up a little bit. And I think that's a good thing for uh, for all intents and purposes. What's but, your favorite movie? <laughs> my favorite? Uh, dude, it's got to be Empire or Jedi. What do yeah. you like about Empire? I hear Empire a lot. Well, Empire has a, a, a strong combination of everything. It's got a lot of it, all the characters kind of going through their own things. They're, you know, the Luke Skywalker is actually really getting into being a Jedi. Um, there's, you know, a, a lot of um, the good space battles other than just, you know, a couple, you know, crazy type, couple X-Wings, a bunch of crazy teenagers trying to fly in through the trenches and blow up the most, you know, devastating weapon in the entire galaxy. <laughs> has a major major flaw in it <laughs> i like how they explained it away with the uh um oh shoot uh rebel or rogue rogue one um <laughs> when they explained that major plot flaw uh away by uh that it was a design flaw intended to be able to destroy it i think that's <laughs> yeah, that was a good, good loop good loophole <laughs> way to recover but uh, yeah, Sorry, we got to see J.J. Abrams do it all over again with The Force Awakens. So, <laughs> yep, <laughs> I have not seen the last one yet. Did you did you see that one? I did see the last one. Uh, it, it was cool. It, there's a lot of cool things. They do a lot of things right. Um, again, I 
I don't like to see, uh, I, I don't want, I hope they don't end it. You know, they talk about the, the end of the, but I really hope that they keep, keep going. I, I am a star Wars fan. I remember, I think, I don't know if we've shared this on here yet. Rich and I used to play episode four a lot growing up. We had like a VHS taped. Here's the funny thing. It like cut to a middle of a news broadcast or it looked like Siskel and Ebert or some crap. And then it went back to it. Like my, my, our father was the worst when it came to movies <laughs> off. But yeah, we, I uh, remember uh, using an entire roll of masking tape. It was white masking tape because we wanted to be stormtroopers. And by the time yes. we got wrapped up in fucking masking tape, we didn't want to play it anymore. That's the fact that you guys look like KKK members, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no Rorschach followers. Okay, and get it right. All right. Oh yes, uh, woke, woke. <sighs> you are so woke. um no i really like star wars i um me personally i really love uh new hope and return of the jedi i think return of the jedi is one of my favorites um i actually didn't mind episode one as much as everybody hated i mean jar jar binks is just awful and (laughs) shouldn't period so obviously he's he's a joke he's a joke you know that right he was a joke well, the other thing is Jensen, my son, he loves robots, so he really loves episode one since half that movie is robots, essentially. Uh, did you guys check out The Mandalorian? Yes, it was very good. I yes. Haven't yet. I've watched 20 minutes of the first episode and just didn't go back yet, so I got to check it out. Uh, dude, the, the battle droid, the the whatever, I forget what which what kind of droid he is, but he, I mean talk about killer i mean that was one of the things that the mandalorian really does is show just how devastating an actual droid i mean could and should be i mean you think about it like episode one two and three they're going up against these droids that are just these kind of nearly mindless automatons with a ridiculous voice that that got worse as each episode went by and uh and and they just kept getting dumber and dumber but you know some of these but this other droid i mean just goes in and just mows everybody down just with perfect precision and i mean they didn't stand a chance i mean i thought that was good stuff cool cool ideas the first the first like real droid i i mean i guess you would consider him part droid was general grievous i thought he was pretty badass yes yes grievous was cool grievous was cool yeah i think i hated episode two i just it just to me showed that george lucas has no business writing romantic storylines ever <laughs> but i actually poor, poor george I, I did enjoy uh, episode three. That's why we sold it to it... Disney, man. It's all princesses and fucking fairy tales and shit, man. <laughs> princess Leia is now a Disney princess. Yep. I can show yeah. you the world. Sorry. So that's, I mean, I, I like some of the prequels. Um, love the original. I actually, it took me forever to watch Rogue One, because I'll be honest, I kept falling asleep. So it took me probably two years to watch that. And <laughs> two I, fucking I years. I don't blame you. I know, man. It was like I kept falling asleep, and then I'm like, "What is Force Whitaker?" Okay. We all know what's going to happen. I mean, they basically—it's just—it's just the opening credits to A New Hope. Exactly, exactly. Except the only thing I would have changed is I didn't need to see uh, Princess Leia's face. Oh, right. The the CGI the, Princess Leia at the end. General right. Tarkin looked great. She, I just needed to see the buns and a silhouette would have been fine. I think that's <laughs> it. 
Yeah. Oh, you mean you mean Princess Leia's buns? <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> There's Mark. Yeah. <laughs> All Welcome. right. So Herb, what are since you uh you write into our show a lot, and again we do appreciate that greatly. What are maybe some of the um, some things you'd like us to cover in future episodes that maybe some topics or subject matter that you would find interesting? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, you know, that kind of when I brought up tonight um, where I was kind of just deviating from the uh, typical just the your normal mainstream uh, Marvel and DC um, and kind of jumping off towards some of the other some of these other, uh, you know, uh, comics like I said, like uh, like Preacher, Sandman, uh, Saga, some of the stuff like that. I think that would be kind of cool to see some of that, hear more about that stuff. Um, uh, but honestly, I love what you guys are doing so far. Um, I, I learn a lot from just hearing you guys uh, in, in your guys' interview with uh, uh, the Ugly Troll, or uh, not the Ugly Troll. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a bar. Uh, anyways, uh, gosh, what is it? Laughing ogre, <laughs> laughing ogre, laughing yeah. ogre. Yeah, it was one of those like <laughs> fantasy creatures. I knew it was ugly. Tra- All right. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that because you know we want to not just have a good time and have a conversation, but also you know kind of shed some light on things and educate people as well. So I- I'm glad that you said that. Absolutely, it's been it's definitely educational in that way. Absolutely. Can you All tell? Right. Also, do you have any questions for us? Um, well, you know, I've, I've, I, I, I listened to your guys' first episode, so I got a lot of, uh, background on where you guys came from with your comics and everything like that. Um, uh, I would say, uh, what are, what are you guys, what are each of you in, uh, into right now? What's your, what's your latest, your latest trend, your latest fad? What are you listening to or reading? Well, right now I have been not collecting anything mainstream, but I've been, I don't know if you heard the um, interview we did with the author of Hawkeye, the writer of Hawkeye. Yes. So I'm following him a little bit, but right, really right now, I've kind of taken on the seat of uh, being our traveling portion of our podcast in March next month. Actually, I'm going to the Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. Awesome. Um, there is a New Jersey Comic Con that I'm going to in uh, May. And then there's the New York City Comic Con in October. So I'm kind of doing the uh, bit of traveling for our podcast and kind of taking it to different places and talking to different people. So that's what I'll be doing. Fantastic. So I, um, my son was going to Clintonville Academy, which was right by the Laughing Ogre last year. Um, so he's not going there anymore. So I was actually frequenting the Laughing Ogre a lot more last year. So I'm, I'm a little bit more kind of... Um, less going in there, but I have picked up Hawkeye and I've mentioned on a couple episodes, I do, uh, I do want to start reading some Spider-Man stuff. I used to read Spider-Man when Rich and I were younger and I really want to kind of maybe look at that character a little bit. So that's, that's my plan. Um, how do you feel about the, how do you feel about the, the Spider-Man that's out right now? Have you, have you seen any of the new Spider-Man movies that have come out recently? The most, the latest to like far from home and. What was it? The Spider Verse one, the animated one. Uh, Into the Spider Verse, yeah, that was cool. I actually I thought, thought that, that was pretty cool, man. Pretty damn incredible movie. I um, liked I the overweight middle-aged Spider-Man. I yes. that's kind of <laughs> like me, you know. <laughs> the uh, the pig guy reminded me of Ham from Garfield and Friends. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that was kind of fun. I just thought that was a really creative uh, take on the character. I thought that was pretty sweet. The uh, 
the kingpin in that kind of reminded me of like um like a frank miller character or something it was kind yeah. of very very interesting take on that um i haven't seen any of the new new stuff um i did I did go to see um, the Venom movie with Mark when we were in town for uh, Comic Con back in. <laughs> yeah. I already couldn't even save that movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it needed to be rated it was, R. It, was, it, it needed was to be rated R. That saved the movie. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I think a lot of them should be rated R, but that's just me. I'm. I'm. <laughs> I give you balance sometimes. I guess. It was but, his performance uh, that saved the movie. The story so, itself wasn't good, but Tom Hardy did a good job. So Mark, like for hours after we saw the movie, he like wanted a reality check. Guys, that wasn't that bad, was it? Uh, <laughs> and, and Mark was just pissed off because he tried, to sneak his, he tried to sneak his dessert in and the guy made him throw it in the trash can. So he spent the whole movie pacing basically in his head. He ran out of that fucking theater to get his his what was it pie out of the trash the trash bag the fact that they didn't want to dive into the trash you fucking forgot about that didn't you yeah i did you're like oh fuck it seriously i gotta throw it out come on it was bullshit that was a good pie but i thought tom hardy's performance is what saved the movie so i'll have to check out some of the newer stuff um probably when it comes out on Disney or something. Well, hopefully, uh, what about Shazam? You guys took out the Shazam? <laughs> no. I did actually <laughs> watch pass. that. It's a hard um, pass. Didn't like yeah. Shazam? It, you didn't even check it, it out? You mean the original Captain Marvel? Is that what we're talking about now? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I thought that I thought parts. it was I thought Zach Levi was good in it. I liked that they had all the, the Marvel family in it. I thought that was fun. I thought it was... A little bit over CGI with all the creatures and all that. Other it's just than over cheese, over yeah. cheese. All yeah. of them. They're all of them are just. It's over cheesed, man. I mean, <laughs> normally too much cheese is 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 never possible in the food world. But come on. <laughs> I think it was DC's attempt to swing the pendulum the other direction to add some humor, like Marvel humor, into the movie, and it just flopped for me. It was like. Yeah. I took the kids to see that shit, and I was glad Lexi was sleeping when that freaking creature <laughs> ate that dude. I was like, damn, fuck, I thought this was a <laughs> kid's family-oriented movie, but whatever. As far as me, Herb, I'm collecting, uh, I just picked up uh, Bendis's relaunch of Legion of Superheroes. I'm like three issues into that. That's pretty good. I'm reading Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil right now. It's really fucking excellent. I'm really enjoying that. So it's, that's like, that's new for me. And then... Uh, I'm still reading my core books, but yeah. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me on. This has been a great time. No, we really appreciate talking. you interacting with the show and coming on. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you. We really appreciate it, Herb. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, guys. Good hanging out, man. Absolutely. Take care. Right, next listening. Time. We'll see you later, buddy. Thank yep. you. All right, everybody. So that was um, Home-Based Communications Issue 1 with Herb. Again, we would really like to uh, make this a more frequent uh, segment on future episodes. So um, if you want to shoot us an email at uh, heroeshomebase at gmail or hit us up on our Facebook page, uh, Heroes Home Base Podcast, um, we'd certainly like to get some more comic fans on the show to kind of talk about you know, what they like, what they don't like, current events, uh, whatever they'd like to talk about. So... Um, and while you're on Facebook or um, 
shooting us an email, why don't you subscribe to your, you know, podcast um, provider of choice. Um, give us a like, a subscribe, and um, tell us if you hate the show or if you love the show, you know. Always looking to do better. So, fellas, when we were just talking about how Harley Quinn really can't sustain her own movie, and I was thinking, you know, she's really just the Joker's sidekick slash girlfriend, in my opinion. If that's, you know, treating the character or disrespecting the character, I'm sorry. I just think in terms of, you know, what the character is, I just only view her as a sidekick. So I was thinking... You know, what if we, not that uh, bringing the conversation back to a negative, but what if we talk about some really cool sidekicks or uh, uh, story arcs with uh, team-ups or whatever? What do you guys think about that? I like it. I like it. I actually um, have, as soon as you were talking about that, I actually just came up with a short miniseries, and it has to do with the Birds of Prey, because I, you know, I absolutely positively love the Birds of Prey, and there's a huge team up in this uh, mini series that I collected, and I was so happy when it first came out, um, and it's called Birds of Prey Manhunt, and it's a four-part mini series co-starring Catwoman and the Huntress. Nice. And do you remember when this came out? It sounds very, very familiar. When did it come out? Ah, uh, September of '96. <laughs> Last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dollar ninety-five. Oh, it ain't that cheap anymore. He said last week, <laughs> last week. Yeah, September of ninety-six, and it was uh, it it was Oracle, Black Canary. Well, the the ones who were in the field were Black Canary, Huntress, and Catwoman, and it had to do with a guy who all three of them happened to date. What? At three separate occasions, and they all three of them found out at three different times that he was actually a like a, a, a an arms smuggler, like a really bad guy. And the three of them ended up in the same location trying to find this guy, and they all teamed up. So it was called Birds of Prey Manhunt, and Catwoman, who was like an anti-hero and who was only in it for herself, her and Huntress teamed up, and because they had to rescue the Black Canary because she had gone with this guy and she was trying to stop him. And all three of them ended up kicking butt in this. I mean, it was such a great, great team up. And that was a huge, because I, I always thought Catwoman was in it for things for herself. And she was a, uh, a thief. And I've never seen her team up with anybody ever before. And this is the first time that she teamed up with him. And I just love this female girl power. And Huntress, she is on the side of the angels, but she was always too rough for Batman's taste. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember that. And, she was always too rough for his taste. And, you know, she fought alongside of the Angels, but, you know, in Black Canary, she was always, you know, one of my favorite solid characters. And to watch the three of them put aside their differences and kind of just their own, all three have such different personalities and have them work together was really, really cool. So it so happens that that's the choice of, uh, that's my choice for team ups. It reminds me of when Huntress was um, recruited to be a member of the Justice League and then Batman kicked her out because, again, he didn't like her style. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember when she was part of the JLA, and I would have loved to, for her to continue to be part of the JLA, but, you know, she's got some anger issues with how her family, you know, was... Pirelli, murdered. right? Pirelli? No, uh, Martinelli. I'm German. sorry, it's Bertinelli. Sorry, Helena Bertinelli, that's the Huntress's uh, names. Well, thank you, Mark, for bringing in a positive light to what the Birds of Prey stories could be about instead of some fucking trash. (laughs) I mean, I wish it could have turned out like the comics, because the comics are so awesome. 
What about you, Rich? What team up did you come up with? Dude, there I have always had this favorite issue and uh it's uh comes back in uh let's see, January of 2000. It was uh Superman Action Comics number 761 and it was Immortal Beloved and it had it guest starred uh, Wonder Woman. This book was written by Joe Kelly and uh Jermaine Garcia did the uh drawing. And it was basically um, the title uh, on the, or the t- the title on the front is Immortal Beloved, and then it's for a thousand years. Essentially, the book opens up and Lois and Clark are goofing around, and people want to know who uh, Superman's love interest is, and you know how he's Superman and he's got to have like this super love interest or whatever. And Lois is just goofing around like she wants Clark to tell her who Superman's you know main love interest is. And then Wonder Woman shows up at their apartment, so she starts you know oh, that that would work. And I don't know. There's a lot of people that you know you read Kingdom Come and Superman or Wonder Woman are kind of perfect for each other in like the distant future when Lois would eventually pass away and the God and the, and the, you know, the alien and the God of, and princess would work out fine together. Um, but essentially this is where the story is really cool because Superman's um, meeting with uh, Wonder Woman talking about how he's going to go off on this uh, mission in space and uh, Wonder Woman's questioning him. He's like, so have you told, have you told Lois, you know, your plan to go do this? And basically uh, Cal is talking to her about how I need you to watch after Earth. I need you to take care of some things while I'm gone. And Wonder Woman's kind of just, you know, flabbergasted that he wouldn't tell Lois this. And uh, while they're discussing this, lightning strikes and pulls them to a different dimension. And uh, what character has a hammer and lightning in the comic books? Well, Thor comes to mind. Thor. Okay. Thor has pulled both Wonder Woman and Superman to Valhalla and Asgard. Hmm. And they basically, it's this war that now Wonder Woman and Superman are a part of uh, defending Asgard. And it goes on. And basically it's just this constant battle. And to just sum it up, Thor dies, passes his hammer back to Superman or gives it to Superman and basically him and Wonder Woman are the leaders of this army and they have to constantly keep fighting and fighting and fighting. Well, they're in the realm of the gods. Time is different than it would be normally. And it's basically like throughout the whole story, it's testing uh, Kal-El's love for Lois. It's basically like another, you know, another 30 years have passed. I'm starting, I can't smell. I forget what Lois smells like, but Diana smells like fresh orchids. And it's just like they keep fighting and they keep fighting. And uh, once Thor dies, he's like, you're going to have to keep fighting this war until it's over. And basically it's like a thousand years they're fighting this this war. And in the regular time, you know, Lois is in is just like living normal. Like Clark just left with Diana to discuss his plans. Well, long story short, so they defeat, they win the battle. And Thor is resurrected by the power of his hammer. And the last wish of super <clears throat> sorry the last wish of superman is to basically go home and it's pretty much him sweeping lois off her feet and he was like uh thank god just like i remembered tell me you missed me half as much as i missed you and she's like i missed you clark i really did you know so 
I don't know. It was it was it was cool because it had Thor in it, it had Asgard in it, it had Wonder Woman in it, and they were fighting this battle. And all in all, it was really just like a test of love, I guess. I don't know. So like me, I'm a real big fan of the Wonder Woman and Superman thing because uh, I know that the new Fifty Two continuity they had a Superman Wonder Woman book, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but you know, he's super loyal to Lois, and it's it's awesome. So. That's my uh, awesome. team up pick. Nice, nice. I remember reading that, and going, "What fucking Asgard, Thor, DC book? Uh-huh. I love it." So I highly recommend it. That was Action Comics seven sixty one. What you got, Rob? So I went a little different for uh, my team up. I didn't do a specific issue of a comic. I went back to season one, episode thirty two of Batman the Animated Series. Uh, This originally aired on November 4th of 92, and it was Beware the Grey Ghost. Fucking love that episode, man. Ah. This episode for me uh, hits a lot uh, for me. Um, It kind of reminds me of a little bit of in 89, Rich, when we uh, were really desperately trying to watch the Burt Ward and Adam West Batmans. Yes. Um, Because, you know, we were going through Batmania version 2.0 with uh, the 89 movie coming out. And I bring that point up because the episode opens with uh, a young Bruce, um, you know, with a a blanket tied around his neck as a cape. And he's watching the Grey Ghost show on TV, which was like a black and white. Um, Grey Ghost was a a crime fighter. Um some other things to hit is that it is Adam West speaking for uh, the Grey Ghost, uh, an actor named Simon Trent. Yep. And I think it kind of, you know, it's, sto- you know, um, the expression of, you know, uh, story t- telling real life, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. this Simon Trent guy is kind of typecasted and, you know, Adam West, once you play Batman, you know, that's that's pretty much what he was known for. Um, but oh, he was the, for sure typecast. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, for those that don't know, and if you haven't seen that, I mean, I'm sure you can get it on YouTube. Just, I mean, just a great episode. Um, essentially, um, the villain is the Mad Bomber, and he is uh, duplicating um, a crime that was on the show and using these little race cars to blow up banks and other places. And he's like really obsessed with toys and. Turns out the the Mad Bomber is like this toy guy who Simon Trent has been selling his Grey Ghost merchandise to, so he can you know pay his rent. Yeah. Uh, but Batman actually teams up with Simon Trent uh, because the um, these bombs were just such a match to the show, and he figured Simon Trent was the one that could help out. So Batman got to you know crime fight and do some detective work with um you know the character yeah of of his childhood tv show but at the same time simon trent got to you know re re uh insert himself into that role i think what was really cool about the episode was you know he got to replay this character that was a double-edged sword essentially you know it brought him a lot of success uh, but then he was typecast So, you know, it kind of hurt his career, but he got to play that character in real life to help Batman kind of solve this crime. I mean, you know, Bruce gets to fight crime with his childhood hero and, you know, 
Simon Trent gets to pretty much fight crime with the Batman. So I thought that was pretty cool. A pretty, pretty genius take on uh, that episode. I think, I think it was uh, Bob Kirkland who directed that episode. So I thought that was a pretty cool example of a team up. That's a great episode. I remember the scene where the great ghost goes to sell off his stuff to like the guy who owns the store. Cause he's a big fan, but unfortunately his stuff isn't selling well. Selling, yep. You remember that scene? I remember that scene so well, so he can't really give him a whole lot of money for it because his stuff just isn't selling. I remember that. Do you remember when, was it Bruce that went to go get copies of the show and nobody had original copies and Simon Trent had all the episodes on reels in his closet? Yeah. Is that what it was? Dude, that's awesome that you picked that episode because I honestly, if I had to pick my favorite episode of Batman the Animated Series, it's that one. Always has Mm -hmm. been. Did you yep. say Adam West did the voice for that? Yeah. Yep. He was Adam the West voice was, of Simon uh, Trent. Go. And he can and he could relate to being so severely typecast. Right. Exactly. I wonder if he ever had to do that, like sell off something. You know what I mean? Because I think times I, I think of Wikipedia him once he died. I think times were hard for a minute or for some time because he couldn't get solid roles. You know what I mean? But around upon his death, I think he had a net worth of around six million dollars because he did so many so many uh, voice so much voice work. I'm guessing here, um, so I don't have any factual basis to make this statement, but. I wonder if his his hard time was probably the 70s and the 80s until the 89 movie came out when I know Batmania kind of took over again. So then Batman was a huge icon again in kind of the public forum. And I know he had even... Um, didn't he talk to Burton about trying to play Batman again, Rich? Yeah, he did. And they, they said they wanted a new character. I still think he would have been able to pull off like a... Uh, Kind of like what Kevin Conroy's doing now, like a you know, like a Batman Beyond. He could be like the original Batman. Of course, he's no longer with us, so that's not an option anymore. But he was older. I mean, because he was, he would have been almost sixty. I think that. Uh, I think. Yeah, because he was like thirty-seven. Well, I know that he had. Uh, he did a lot of voice work, and I know that he did uh, like a lot of uh, show um, guest star. Like he was on Big Bang, and he did a couple other shows. And I just think that the genre taking off at the end of his life really helped. I mean, because he was like when I think of all these people that go to conventions, when you want to go meet an actor or somebody popular at a convention, you look at it like, man, what do they got going on? Is there a reason they're coming to a convention to get signatures and photos? And But I look at him as like the original guy, you know what I mean, that went to the conventions and... Like he was, I don't know. This is just my opinion. Like he, he, he started it all. You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. fucking Batman. I'm looking at his autographed uh, picture right now of him standing in the Batcave. I love it. I remember when we were at the Mid Ohio. He was there with um, what was it, Frank Gorshin, and we yep. really wanted to meet him, but we just didn't have the money to get a autograph. But we got to see him. I remember seeing him. Mm-hmm. Where did you end up getting that autographed photo from? Did you just buy that from somebody else? At what what convention did we get that? We got that in Metropolis at the Superman quote museum. That's right. Speaking of team ups, it's so funny because I was just remembering that Marvel did a run of Marvel team ups that ran from like the early seventies to like the mid eighties, and it 
featured Spider-Man in just about every single issue, and they teamed him up with just about every single Marvel character in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And it, it was like, do you remember it was those just, Marvel team-ups? It was team just Marvel team-ups, wasn't it? That's what it was? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Marvel team-ups, but it was always Spider-Man. He was the lead character, and they teamed him up with just about every single person in the Marvel Universe, and that was so awesome. I mean, that was really, every story was different. He teamed up with Captain America, Moon Knight, The Inhumans, Fantastic Four, Thor, Black Widow, Silver Surfer, Daredevil, She-Hulk, The Thing, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ghost Rider, Vision and Scarlet Witch, um, Wolverine, Professor X, Ms. Marvel. I just I mean, think that team-ups are always going to be a really, really cool thing about comic books. Like, Because I know we've, we've done DC versus Marvel. We've done the Avengers and JLA. And every you know every now and then they they cross universe and and then just random team ups that don't really see coming in your regular universe storylines like just a just a regular Wonder Woman and Superman title can be kind of a a different take up on a team team up but really good topic I love it I love your Batman the animated series Rob I think if I'm gonna rank them I'm gonna pick yours as number one and then my action comics and then uh, Mark's Birds of Prey. Mine would go mine, Birds of Prey, Manhunt, Rob's, Great Ghost episode, and yours, Man of Steel. Uh, I'm going to go with mine because I think mine just it pushes too many buttons for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it hits the nostalgic button for sure. Uh, I'm going to go with Rich because I like how it kind of blended both universes. And then I'm going to put Mark's. Uh, I'm just still a little uh, sour taste in my mouth about anything Birds of Prey right now. The uh the Thor in my book really wasn't the Marvel Universe Thor. It was just the God Thor. I know, I know. It's still, but I just I thought it was cool, cool that to... they were using that character when it's such a strong Marvel character in Asgard. Yeah. And I, I don't know, that book always stuck out to me. Well, fellas, do we want to get back to our countdown? I think uh, we are on issue number what eight? Number eight. Rob, why don't you start us off, man? My eighth pick is not... Let me explain. It is not anything to do with a book story-wise. It actually is a pretty shitty issue. Um, Thank you for your honesty. I'm just letting you know. I uh, But I picked this because of it, it has a strong connection to us as collectors. So my eighth pick is Azriel number 40. Oh my god. So to give our listeners some context, back in um, 98, um, Batman's kind of story arc uh, experienced the cataclysm. So essentially there was a huge earthquake that pretty much destroyed Gotham City, um, which then led to kind of the no man's land uh, year-long nightmare of that story. Um, But it, it, it... majorly impacted Batman's kind of uh, universe for lack of a better term. Um, but I remember, I remember where I was. So Rich and I were um, in down the in the club. Of, <laughs> that's right. Down in the club. And I remember I was just perusing and on the side of the cataclysm covers, it gradually showed like a building and some bricks. And as the cataclysm series progressed, the, the bricks would slowly like crumble. So it was almost like kind of like a flip book type thing. So you could just see the pixel gradually crumble. Um, 
And I was so proud. I was like, man, we got all of the uh, Cataclysm books. And then I found Because it was, uh, they went across all the titles that, and not all of them we collected. It wasn't Correct. just the bad books. It went through what Azrael went through, Catwoman, all the other books in the basically the essentially U- the Bat family. Yes. So, and it was probably three or four weeks after this book came out, I realized we didn't have it. And so the real reason I'm picking this is because this is really the first book since Rich and I were solid collectors that we actually had to hunt for. And I remember we called up all the local comic shops, didn't have it. And in fact, this was at the British paper mill on uh, Bryce Road. So we drove out there and they had one copy left. So the plot of the book, it's kind of weak, but, you know, I'll describe it because I picked it. Um, <laughs> Damn it. Not going to talk about it. Um, Azrael recently caught Bane. B- they're dropping Bane off at the prison, and he escapes because the quake hits. And Azrael's pretty much chasing Bane around Gotham while news anchors are reporting on the quake that's happening. So, again, not anything spectacular about the book itself. It's just it has to be in my top ten because it's really the first book that we hunted for. And that's significant for me as a collector. So that's my pick for number eight. Mark, do you remember us trying to hunt that book down? How long did it take you to actually find it? Probably about a month. Yeah, it, it was felt a like longer. I remember like going longer. to a, uh, a local comic con, probably it was on the two Buckeye year- con. Yeah, it was a Buckeye con. It was a couple years ago and I found it. And I remember snapping a picture of it and showing it to Rob. Dude, selling it for $2. I should buy another copy. <laughs> it felt like longer than a month. It did. It felt like a year. But it was, you know, that was one of the first, to- uh, like, story arcs that we, you know, besides the death of Superman and all that. But this was like, when we collected all those, that was like in the past. They had already been out. And then you just got to find all the issues. This was actually live we were collecting at the time that this was coming out. So it was like a whole new experience of fuck. We missed an issue, man. Now we got to figure out where we can get one. And you know, just you couldn't go on Amazon and buy a missing issue or go on eBay. Shit wasn't around yet. Right. So it was like, fuck if we dude, if we miss this, our, this whole collection is going to be for nothing. Cause we don't have one issue. <laughs> I remember that. But I remember like two years after we bought it at a con, somebody was hunting for it and couldn't find it. I do. I remember that too. I mean, but mm. if you think about it, I mean, Azrael kind of sucked as a character, so it doesn't surprise me that there is a shortage of this because, you know, like nobody. I can't believe he pro- had his own book for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, he went through nine hundred and fifty-two outfit changes as well. <laughs> but I mean. So I, I bet it's probably hard to find because DC probably didn't produce too many copies of it. But the fact that they attached it to the Cataclysm, more people were probably snatching it up than usually would read it. Right. Mark, what's your number eight, sir? My number eight is Avengers Volume 3, number seven. It's the end of the Live, Create, or Die for a four. And this is basically where they not only is it about the Kree, but they they highlight Warbird, who's originally known as Ms. Marvel. They highlight this is her trial due to her alcoholism. And they find her, she quits the Avengers. They demote her to inactive status, but then she ends up quitting. 
and this is where it all concludes and you see you see her walk into the avengers chamber and they sit and they go through a trial with her and this is one of my favorite 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 issues and they end up going to space afterwards to fight the kree and it's just a complex issue so this is my number eight nice who wrote that kurt Kurt Busick and george perez did the drawing so that sounds like a strong story it's a very strong story. It's one of my favorites. I still reread it to this day, 21 years later, 22 years later. What's yours? My number eight is uh, by one of my favorite podcasters and one of my favorite comic writers of all time, the one and only Kevin Smith. Mm. And it is Green Arrow number one, Quiver part one from April 2001 when Kevin brought Oliver Queen back to life. I could pretty much pick this whole story arc that he wrote in detail but i I really like this issue because it kind of outlines all the characters that were affected by oliver's death and what they're going through since he's been gone and mark i know you'd appreciate it because it's got you know black canary and and how she misses him and it's pretty much all the people in his life roy black diana and just and the the end of the book is him you know, showing up and then um, just the whole story in general is really, really excellent. If you're a Green Arrow fan, I would definitely say this is a huge story that you should read. Um, I need to reread that. It's been since its original run that I read that. Yep. So, and one of my favorite memories was going to the secret stash with you, Mark, the first time I went to New York Comic Con and then bought Green Arrow number two from walt flanagan's kevin's signature on it so ah it does it yep so my number eight is green arrow number one well guys a lot of a lot of information this episode i I love our new segment i love our current events really a lot of a lot of good books we talked about a lot of great uh topics this, this episode absolutely please be sure to get in contact with us contact with us at heroes home base at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook at Heroes Home Base Podcast. Alright fellas, well, until next time, this is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. Thanks for listening, guys. See ya. Thanks again for listening and supporting this RMR production.